0: The Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by my fellow Mexican and American, Ed Calderon, who has worked in the fields of counter-narcotics, organized crime investigation, and public safety in the northern border region of Mexico. During this period, he coordinated and worked executive protection details for high level government officials and visiting dignitaries, often in some of the most dangerous parts of the country. He's well known from some of his online appearances on programs such as the Joe Rogan podcast, Tim Cast, and elsewhere. Gracias por acompanarme, Ed. How is life?
1: Gracias por la invitación, hermano. Good, you know, road life, living like a hobo, basically, kind of traveling from town to town right now, but everything good.
0: That's an interesting uh, life uh, as well to have a nomadic lifestyle. Um, s- since the audience is international, there's still a good portion of people who don't know much about uh, Mexico or Ed Calderon or haven't seen your viral uh, interviews online. It-, it would be great if you could give us perhaps a quick bio on you know, where you came from, your work uh, and your interests.
1: Oh, sure. Uh, grew, up, uh, grew up in Tijuana, Mexico. Uh, the most... Uh you know the most traversed uh, border on the planet basically uh skateboarded when i was a kid was into punk rock you know very uh counterculture against authority and then <laughs> I tried to go to medical school and then that didn't work out so i joined a paramilitary police experimental police force that they uh came out with uh back in the early 2000s in, Me- in mexico um basically just jumped into the fray of the drug war as it uh, was just kind of starting. Did about 12 years of of work uh, within some of the operations group that uh, worked along that uh, northern border region, Um, worked with the military, worked uh, with the state and uh, local and federal law enforcement agencies uh, in different capacities. Uh, did a few uh, high level uh, dignitary protection uh, 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 work as well. And uh, so I basically got to see like I got to see it all ground level, you know, uh, from this, from the start of the drug war to some of the uh, you know, some of the more legend some of the legendary uh, shootouts in Tijuana and, and, and I was there for a lot of it and uh, survived it somehow. Uh, and more importantly, I kept myself clean. Uh, didn't, uh, never took anything that wasn't mine, never uh, got in anybody's pocket, which was, you know, it's not an easy thing to do in that environment. And, uh, towards the end of my uh, career, uh, it just became unsustainable. Um, so I had to leave. After that, I went to the United States to look for the American dream, you know, with nothing, you know, but a few thousand dollars in my pocket, uh, and not a not, nothing else. And I, uh, I was graciously accepted, uh, into the, uh, to a small community of uh, military community in, in California, and uh, you know, been uh, been doing classes, training, consulting uh, for federal government SF units across the world, and uh, just training civilians in how to be safe and prepared for for bad situations uh, ever since. Uh, aside from the uh, from the advocacy that I do for some marginalized communities and kind of bringing attention to some of their stories. Uh, specifically related to immigration and, and uh, things along the border in cartels.
0: A message from our sponsors. The Nomos app will help you survive COVID-1984 and the Great Reset. Nomos is a time bank that can be used by communities anywhere in the world. You just need to talk people into using it. For example, if you go to your barber for a 30-minute haircut, your barber receives 30 minutes in his time bank. He can then use that time to pay for an appointment with a doctor. I've spoken to the developer who is passionate about creating solutions for surviving and thriving in the apocalypse. Nomos is available in both English and Spanish. Hurry and visit nomos.net before they roll out the cashless society and put you in the algorithm ghetto. Also, if you need health insurance that covers you wherever you may roam, check out my friend James Guzman's borderless health insurance. One of the great things about living internationally is saving money on health care, but private care overseas can be expensive. Go to borderlesshealthinsurance.com to watch a short presentation on expat and digital nomad healthcare and sign up for a free consultation to review your options. Geopolitics and Empire needs funding. You can leave a donation, book a consultation, or become a member, which gets you access to my brief weekly commentary, a monthly newsletter of my thoughts, a private telegram, a monthly members group call and my second premium broadcast called Dissident Thinker, where I conduct interviews and provide solo analysis. Dissident Thinker is also available on Rockfin and for supporters on Locals. Yeah, I I, I left the uh, America for the Mexican Dream, so we kind of we reversed uh, roles here. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people um, want to really understand the drug war and narco situation. In Mexico, it's it's confusing. I think a few years ago, I spoke to Mexican academic Osvaldo Zavala, who wrote a book on this. Um, so, you know, we have the power structure of the narcos, their links to the Mexican and, you know, possibly American governments, as well as, you know, how dangerous the situation really is for ordinary folks um, in Mexico, as well as the U.S. I mean, even for people living in Mexico, like myself, Mexicans, naturalized Mexican, uh, that I am like myself, it's still not Clear, you know, crime and death is going on all around the country, all around us. Yet for many Mexicans, we don't directly come across it. So it's really hard to gauge how bad the situation is. So maybe if you can give us like a Crash Course 101 and, you know, what's the power structure? What's going on with the drug war and the governments and, and, and all of that?
1: I mean, I guess, I guess we have to go back to the, to the 50s and 60s. Uh, Mexico has, is a strategic country. It's strategic because it is next to, you know, the superpower, or at least the 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 one of the superpowers that has been influencing things at a global scale for for the past almost hundred years. Um, that is both a blessing and a curse for a lot of Mexicans. You know, we have the saying in Mexico, "Mexico tan tan lejos de Dios y tan cerca de Estados Unidos." Mexico, far from God, but close to the United States. Um, interventionism didn't stop with the last mexican american war in the uh, uh, as far as the uh, united states interfering in mexico um, you know if you go back to the shooting the mass shooting of students during the uh, communist op- uprising in the 60s in in in, in, Tlatelolco, in mexico city you will find out that the president of mexico was a cia asset paid by the us government and that some of the stuff that happened that day was probably orchestrated and or at least uh pushed by american uh, interest that didn't want to see a communist uh, revolution happen across the border now this is just an example of one of the you know one of the situations that happened where you know american interventionism in the united states in, in in mexico has uh led to uh, a change of policy and a change of direction for for the country of mexico now Mexico is not without without fault. You know, we have horror. We have had horrible uh, government for you know years, um, and corruption is systemic at a cultural level throughout the country. So it's a that's also a factor that can't be ignored. Um, and uh, you know, and finally, I mean, the United States. Uh, you know, it's it's becoming clearer and clearer that during the 70s and 80s, the United States was utilizing Mexico as a front to pay for uh, certain operations uh, going on uh, uh, overseas for them. You know, uh, the whole situation with Kiki Camarena and all the information has come to light about that. You know, everybody was assumed that the cartels killed the uh, uh, CIA, uh, CIA agent Kiki Camarena. It turns out that was probably ordered assassinated by members of the U.S. government at some point during the past. Um, now, what does this have to do with our current situation in Mexico? Well, um, what I see now are uh, you know power structures growing, coming up from coming up in the country, uh, and uh, criminal groups organizing themselves, federal uh, making federations uh, 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 out of their uh, organizations. Uh, one group. Turning into three, you know, um, fracturings. Um, you see that you see this specifically with the Sinaloa cartel up, uh, in the north uh, part of the country, and then you see a militarized, giant, fast-growing, um, almost—you uh, know—you you would almost think they're funded by a foreign entity, you know, or a foreign government, which I think is, is the case in a way uh, with the new generation cartel. Who is, uh, you know, basically engaged right now in trench warfare in parts of Michoacan with the federal government, who have allied themselves with a bunch of smaller cartels to fight them off. Um, it, is a, it is a, it is an insane, chaotic mess. Um, but you know, you you see the Sinaloa cartel on the north, and you see the, some of the arrests made. You see Operation Fast and the Furious, which armed a very specific cartel on the uh, northern side of the country. You see a lot of these things, and you know, to to an observer, it would seem like the United States favors a single cartel in Mexico, which is the Sinaloa cartel. Um, during the COVID epidemic, one cartel grew exponentially, and that was the New Generation cartel. And the reason that happened is because they have access to the Pacific side seaports. That means that uh, you know, even during COVID, those weren't shut down as far as their supply line to China which makes people wonder if China is not supporting that cartel in a way. So if you step back from the whole mess of Mexico right now, it seems like there's a proxy war happening within it. Foreign influences pushing and moving things around to, to gain traction and or influence with the local government Car, uh, cartels uh, being fin- by being financed through material means and even weaponry by foreign entities, including the United States. Um, and finally, you know, a habit, a giant drug habit that the United States has. And Mexico basically being uh, the field that, where some of that drug, drug habit is, uh, with some, where some of those drugs are grown or the uh, road where some of these drugs cross into the United States. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a mess. It is a mess.
0: Yeah, I, ju- I just wanted to comment a few years ago when I was still teaching at the Tech de Monterrey. That's the Monterrey Institute of Technology here in Mexico. Uh, I With students, I, I got on the line. We interviewed Jefferson Morley, who declassified the documents uh, that showed three Mexican, those three Mexican uh, presidents were paid CIA agents with the codenames Litempo. Uh, and so, yeah, the way we have all of this backstory. And, you know, you were touching on... Uh, you were touching on exactly what I try to get to with this podcast. You know, the the big picture, what's really going on. And you know, my myself as an American and student of American Empire, I've always been most intrigued by the links between intelligence agencies such as the cia to the drug cartels we know the british empire you know the story centuries ago of the british empire trafficking opium uh and then the french and the americans picking that up and in south asia during vietnam alfred mccoy has written about that and then in more recent history we've had people like gary webb uh reveal you know the cia cocaine trafficking links in mexico and central america but now uh, as you say uh it seems like it's become this I, th- I think for me one of the bigger stories is was what you t- uh, tipped on you know china this proxy war china coming in um could you talk a little bit more uh, about that it's, it's kind of like a reverse opium uh war where now the chinese people say they haven't forgotten their century of humiliation and so we see china is rising the u.s uh would you agree the u.s american empire is declining i mean what what are your thoughts there
1: I think the U.S. is declining uh, as far as influence. Uh, I think there has been many hits to its decline, um, but you know specifically, I can I specifically can trace back some of its recent decline. And as far as its uh, specifically in Mexico, as far as sentiment towards the United States, I think it had kind of started with Trump. Um, you know, it's been going on forever, but Trump really kind of like nailed the the the, the, the lid on the coffin <laughs> with uh, some of the rhetoric he had coming into the elections and then when he was elected. Um, I think one of the things he did was uh, coax a lot of these uh, U.S. Uh, companies to get out of Mexico and come back to the United States uh, as a punishment for Mexico in a way, you know, because, you know, he made Mexico the villain in his uh, politics, um, which led to Chinese companies basically immediately moving in, you know. Um, uh, it didn't affect Mexico how you thought, I guess um then it became apparent that mexico had a giant deposit of lithium underneath its uh, underneath its soil um lithium that uh you know became uh kind of came to the headlines uh right after the mormon massacre uh happened in the area where some of this uh some of these uh these deposits uh, have been discovered um which kind of leads me to believe that there's something, you know, there's a link maybe to that as well, as far as uh, cartels in that area wanting to hold and control influence. Uh, you know, it's not a place where they they can grow anything and it's not a place where they it's not a drug route. But there's a lot of cartel activity right now in, in, in parts of Sonora, um, specifically fighting going on for control of the region. Um, I, I think a a lot of the a lot of the a lot of what we're seeing right now is a decline in U, in, in not only the US's influence in Mexico, but also the sentiment in Mexi- and sentiment in high level politics and also just civilian populace, as far as viewing the United States as anything other than interventionist and bad, you know. And with China they see you know, they see something else, you know. Um China has been doing shitty stuff in Mexico for three years. Um, you know, so some of the uh you know, some of you might reckon, might have seen the uh, Netflix series about the uh, auto uh, the uh, self defense forces that basically came up out of places like Michoacan uh, to supposedly fight off cartels, but realistically, all of them were cartels. Um, one thing that doesn't get talked about a lot during the, that time is that you know China was illegally uh, mining iron ore out of that region, and a lot of that conflict was basically a front to cover up some of that. And some of those groups that were called out the were actually protecting uh, some of these mining operations in that region. Um now uh as far as the as far as the, the as far as where like, what, what what I think is happening. I mean, you know, it's you know, I think I think I think you the United States is involved obviously in a, in a military conflict with with China uh for control and influence. And but I think the offensive nature of what China is doing uh through by proxy with a place like Mexico is you know is outside of the scope of how the United States is is uh, is accustomed to or even knows of how to conduct war. And I think uh China's uh, showing us a new playbook in that in that respect.
0: Yeah this is uh fascinating and I saw on Twitter recently you you made that interesting comment. Um uh, and and uh, my past guest, Oswaldo Zavala, said the same thing about the lithium and the narcos and the U.S. interests and in cor- corporate interests. Um, you said on Twitter that you, you think that the U.S. will choose to intervene in Mexico, uh, not because of drugs, cartel violence or even uh, immigration, but the lithium as Mexico's leftist federal government moves towards nationalizing uh Uh, energy and tensions are rising. And there's also been talk, you know, in general, this militarization of the U.S., the militarization of Mexico, and then wanting to declare drug cartels uh, as terrorists, which would then give, you know, the legal pretext for the U.S. to intervene uh, in Mexico and expand military operations. What are your thoughts about the future of the let's say regional security apparatus and you know would the us uh, i mean what are your thoughts of, of of them declaring cartels terrorists as well as your comment about them coming in uh, because of the lithium
1: yeah i, I don't think the uh, I don't think they're ever gonna declare them, uh, you know a terrorist organization and that alone should tell you a lot about uh, you know us current us politics and, and where their head is at you know um, so you know i am not a a scholar on these subjects, but I will say that I know enough about a terror. Uh, I know enough about the definition of a terrorist organization to know that cartels not only meet that definition, they also add new elements to it that are, that haven't been considered in the past. You know, they're their own new form of it, basically. You know, they uh, do, they have political motivations. Of course, of course they do. They they're involved in, in in not only having their own political candidates sponsored by drug money, but they also assassinate rivals, rival candidates of the other cartels that also want to run for office. Uh, they kill reporters that talk about some of these things. You know, they assassinate reporters. We had two high-level uh, assassinations recently in Tijuana. Um, they uh, they uh, <clears throat> they they use terror. Through uh, the execution video, uh, hanging people on bridges, you name it, they do it. Um, they've employed uh, third, fourth, fourth generation, fourth generational warfare tactics uh, that have rewritten the uh, the, the playbook uh, of how you utilize, uh, you know, uh, civilian drones in warfare. You know, Syria came up with the first ones, and I think cartel, I think uh, Mexican cartels were the first one that actually did chemical weapons on them. Um, and uh you know some of their methodologies are being exported right now to the ukraine you know it's pretty interesting and fascinating if you're you know if you you kind of look at it that way um but basically what i see is they, they need a redefinition of a terrorist organization the only reason why they're not going to be declared as such is because every single mexican in the united states right now that is there illegally or it wants to cross there illegally Will now have the grounds to ask for a political asylum because they are now fleeing from a terrorist organization that has been created by the need and hunger of the United States for drugs. That's the only reason why they will never be declared a terrorist organization, and that should show you something about the ethics of the United States right now. Because you know uh, they're taking the Ukrainians, but not Mexicans. You know it is an interesting uh it is an interesting conflict that'll be sold that the united states should kind of look into
0: yeah and i'm not a big fan uh people know listeners know u.s foreign policy nato interventionism and all of that stuff and uh, a lot of for me i would also view them if they that would be part of their interests. you know if they labeled um cartels terrorists then they could just further advance their expansion and militarization but uh after, you know, living here for many years, I would agree with you that, that definitely what's going on with the cartels here is terrorism. It's, it's you know, on par or even worse uh, in comparison to terrorism that we've seen in other parts of the world. So I would definitely agree with you there. Uh, maybe if we forget about China for a second and the U.S. empire and just kind of like focus on Mexico and the narco situation here. If you could you know tell us who's really in charge. I mean, is it? Basically, the 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 cartels, the Mexican cartels in charge, are they the ones running the show? Um, have you know China? China and the U.S. Empire uh, has their influence decreased, and, and as well, the situation just seems to be getting much worse like it's almost hopeless you know we, uh, you were touching on it it seems like they're gaining ground they're gaining territory pueblos cities, states, politicians in recent elections like all of the politicians and I forget which states uh, were basically in the in the hands of the narcos because if you were not you'd be taken out so basically if you're a politician in that entire state you have to be the nar- narcos are behind you and so I mean what are your thoughts on that situation w- within Mexico?
1: i mean uh this is the first the president the current president of mexico's policy against cartels is uh hugs not bullets right um so that should tell you a lot about his policy Um, then he reversed that and he said well i'm going to do something completely different Um, and and for people that have a point of reference mexico's drug war kind of symbolically started with a far-right presidency which I worked under uh, called uh, by the run by a man called Felipe Calderón, who was responsible for basically militarizing the drug war right He was the first man to kind of give a, take the military out into the streets and basically have them kind of c- confront uh, some of these problems because the police forces were corrupted and were not equipped to do so, which led to, some successes, but a lot of failures and a lot of massacres that shouldn't have happened, and a lot of horrible stuff. Um, but one thing he did was create a new federal police force and uniform them. He put military into the leadership of these police forces, which I, I think, is a very big mistake that has happened over and over in Mexico. But that's uh, that's uh, that's another you know that's another subject. Um, he did all that. So now comes in his main enemy and political rival, you know, his main enemy. Even in that election, he ran against him and almost beat him. Um, Who is completely to the left, open Chavista, open, uh, you know, open pro Maduro guy, uh, very, very to the left nationalist guy. Uh, He's been tearing down statues of uh, Spanish conquistadors left and right, you know, that type of guy, which is fine, you know. Uh, now, you see this guy saying, Well, I'm going to do everything completely different. And one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to create a new police force. So, basically, doing the same thing that Felipe Calderon did. He made the Guardia Nacional and he put military in it. Guardia Nacional is basically just military members dressed in, in that uh, camouflage uniform. And they're doing exactly the same thing that they used to do patrol in a truck on the ground providing presence for the local populace, for them to feel safe, which means absolutely nothing to the drug problem and the cartel problem, and the violence problem. I mean, there's a bunch of them in Tijuana, they're standing on, on corners, not doing anything. You know, they are completely useless in what their function is supposed to be. Um, and he's basically doing everything that his main enemy and rival and predecessor did and nothing's happening. Actually, actually, we are living through one of the most violent presidencies in history to be a Mexican. The amount of people disappearing and the amount of death is beyond anything that government ever did. And it's just getting worse. Um, one thing people need to realize and know <coughs> is that the United States, in a way, has been paying for that drug war for since it started through things, called, uh, through things like uh, you know, Plan Merida bilateral agreements to basically outsource the drug war into into mexico some of my uh, training and some of my equipment and, and some of my salaries were paid by u.s tax dollars now i don't see the u.s auditing it, you know in mexico uh, i see exactly the same methodology being put forth by mexican military and police to try and fight off the cartels when i started in back in 2004 it is the same thing now and it's getting worse and nobody's changing it. And I think a big part of it is because it's mostly a monopoly of military, ex-military and current military members running things at a high level who have basically, you know, now they're comfortable. If people wanna know what the true power in Mexico is, it's not in politics, it's not in money, it is in the military. The military is who runs policy at a deep level and a, and, and at a long term level in Mexico. They don't get elected out of power. They don't get moved out of positions of power. They are people that were born into it in a lot of in a lot of ways. And depending on where the military, what, what part of the military you're talking about, uh, you can't be a general if your dad wasn't a general. In some, you know, in some places, I'm not, you know, people that people are going to probably call out a BS on that. Uh, but people that are in the know will, will realize this is true. It is a it is a, it is a quasi mafia. Um, and, and and you you see all these power structures that are you know basically just sitting it out and not doing anything to push the country forward is what I see.
0: Yeah, um, you mentioned you know Calderon and and Amlo and uh, in general, I, I mean, I feel it's the case in in most countries that there's little difference between presidents, in this case, Mexican presidents, and they serve different interests, uh, you know, whether it previously was, you know, CIA uh, as a CIA asset or corporate interests, or as you were detailing now, I mean, what would be your thoughts then life uh, after AMLO and and trying to... (laughs) At least begin to try to solve this problem, uh, because I, I see the same thing as you. Things are just uh, getting worse. Um, I haven't had any major experiences, but all around me, you know, I have, I've had coworkers kidnapped. Uh, I've had my home broken broken into three times. Uh, and then you hear stories from, you know, other people. Uh, so the, the death is around you. Uh, how would we begin, you know, what, your thoughts on life after AMLO and, and how do, to begin to solve this problem?
1: Uh, I mean, n- number one, I think uh, I think we're 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 going to go into a. There is no, I, I don't see any clear political uh, rival to AMLO, right now in Mexico. They the last elections were almost uh, tidalway victory. And uh, that is a sign of I don't know I, you know people will say it's a sign of people having a lot of faith in the president. I think it's a sign of just being people just being giving up on politics, which is a bad thing. <coughs> they don't see any change happening, and and um, uh, people are just gonna get uh, people. Are, I, I could see people are kind of giving up basically on it, uh, which is exactly what uh, you know politicians at a high level might want. You know nobody nobody showing up to vote. <laughs> but um, uh, I think we're about to head into another round, another version of AMLO taking the presidency. That's what I see, um, which is going to lead to more tensions with the United States. Um, I see a clear push to nationalize lithium, along with a few other uh, reforms to the energy bill that they wanna put forth, trying to make a Mexico independ- energy independent, which is a good thing for the country, don't get me wrong; I'm all about that, um, but uh, that will lead into interventionism. I th- that's clear. It's happened before in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I, th- I think we're in for some dark. I, I think. I mean, I, I know a lot of us are detached from some of the violence. You know, it's hard for for me from T- who is that somebody who worked in Tijuana to explain some of these things to somebody from uh, that lives in an upper. You know, middle class neighborhood somewhere in Mexico, Mexico City. You know, they may they have experienced violence, but not at the they they haven't experienced. You know, finding a guy that gets rid of uh, almost thousands of bodies through caustic soda, uh, almost at an industrial level. You know, he's they they haven't witnessed a movie level shootout inside of a hospital during broad daylight, where they, where the you know you know where civilians are just you know strewn about. Uh, Violence happens in Mexico in pockets and in different places. And and in a way, it basically isolates some segments of the population into seeing, well, it's not that bad, but it might not be be that bad for you, but it is bad for other people. You know, I've walked with mothers looking for their, the remains of their kids that have been missing for 20 years in fucking vacant lots, probing the ground with sticks. You know, now that should be in the you know that should be in the front page of every newspaper but now we, what we're looking we're listening to is Ukraine you know uh, support Ukraine uh, Mexicans having uh, the Ukrainian flag over their their Facebook profile like it means anything meanwhile uh, during the first 72 hours of that conflict we outperformed the Ukraine as far as reported death think about that in Mexico outperformed a war zone during the first 72 hours. Yeah. And 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 uh I, again I I don't think nothing nothing is going to change in Mexico unless the local populace wakes up. Uh I don't have any faith in the military uh as 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 uh, as far as a changing for as a as far as a force would change in Mexico. Uh that I'm not just so, don't get me wrong. I don't think the whole all of the military is corrupted, but certain elements, certain factions, and certain parts of the military are just set in their ways. Uh, they are not a policing force. I policed with members of the military in Mexico. It's not a good idea to have them in that role. You know, I went through a career path. I learned about laws, I learned about arresting procedures, I learned about human rights. Uh, I had to interview people, I had to talk to people. The military doesn't go through any of these things. Uh, and once they were taking taken out of their uh positions of uh of basically being on the sidelines into actually being in the fray in the drug war that they don't want to give that power up that's what you're seeing as well they are holding on to the power that was given to them under Calderon and they don't want to go they don't want to go back into the in, back into the uh back into the the, the cuarteles you know um, they are in charge of massive build, building uh, uh, operations of airports and and, uh, and train lines across the country right now you know getting contracts that are worth millions of dollars you know and this is the army you know this is the Navy uh, you know, this is this and, and I, again I don't see in them a clear effort and or push to change things in Mexico Uh So all I have right now as far as the faith is is in the populace itself, you know?
0: Yeah, I was just going to add about the Ukraine comment. Like people putting up the ukraine flags as well like for example yemen has been being bom- bombed by the saudis with with uh, british european and american backing and no one's been putting up a yemen flag for the last few years so yeah there's a lot of that stuff a lot of problems we have here at home uh, in mexico and this leads me to another question maybe to touch on the us as well because you've talked about the the security situation in the us i think broadly a lot of us are, uh, a lot of us are seeing across the world across the board A collapsing economy, uh, increased wars uh, all over the world, uh, increasing social unrest, political uh, revolutions, especially recently we've been seeing in Africa. And, you know, I I believe this is also going to lead to increased uh, crime, not just in Mexico, but in in many countries. Um, I'm starting to get that sense that in the U.S. we're seeing uh, increased uh, crime. Um, What are your thoughts there in in the U.S.?
1: Uh, I mean, the... uh, the, the i mean i I travel across the united states you know i'm in a different state every every week basically i think i've seen more of the united states than most americans which is a surreal thing to kind of say because i'm probably three or four years into my american dream you know uh but i've seen more of it than most americans and i've seen california you know and i've seen uh detroit you know i've seen chicago and I've seen Seattle, you know, uh, I've seen some of the, the the parts of it that are, you know, oblivious and or programmed to think that not here, you know, places like Texas, uh, Texas talks a big game about who they are and what they're not about and stuff like that. But it's, Texas is going, going the way of California pretty soon, in my opinion. Um, so you see a weird shift in the United States um, and the clear division. Everybody's either, you know, Democrat or Republican. Um, most people don't realize this, but most Mexicans are very conservative in their politics. Most Mexicans, at least the ones from my generation, are. Uh, why we grew up Catholic. Uh, we grew up under uh, you know family nucleus is still full, still intact. Um, but we were made the enemy by the last president <laughs> that we that that the United States had. You know. We were made the bad guys. We were made the antagonists. Um, I think that was a shot in the foot, not only for that po- for that presidency, but also for the uh, for the country as as a whole. Um, the wall on that board, the wall on the the wall that they built, the, the fence that they built, is a joke. You know. Um, people calling for the border to be closed down are completely ignorant and oblivious about the fact that we both depend on each other in a ginormous way. The United States is dependent on on Mexican consumers. Uh, We are the second largest consumer of of American products. There is, you know, Um, also Every single kitchen I've visited in the United States that is of any quality has Mexicans working in it. And I'm willing to bet that not not all of them are there legally. During the COVID epidemic, we had produce in the aisles. You didn't have any toilet paper, but you had produce and some market stock goods there that were picked by illegal immigrants. Think about that. During COVID, we had essential workers in the form of illegal immigrants. If you take out every illegal immigrant in another country and send them back to where they're from, as some Americans like screaming, um, the country would collapse immediately. You know, I think it's a. I think it's a lot of time the United States wake, wakes up to that fact and to realize it has a dependency on the young country of Mexico. When I say young, Mexico has a giant resource that the United States doesn't have: a working class that is young. That is willing to work. Now, a lot of people want to talk about loyal and lithium. <laughs> Mexico has strong, young, working people that are willing to work. The United States does not have a lot of that. Yeah, we need each other more than we even think and imagine. But politics has divided us and vilified certain aspects of the culture uh, on both sides. Um, I think. Uh, you know, main thing uh, thing I'm realizing just by being on both sides of the border is how really, how we really need each other, you know. Uh, Border Patrol, most of the Border Patrol agents that I've trained is I've trained Border Patrol uh, Border Patrol and Homeland Security agents, uh, which is surreal for me as an immigrant, but I have. Um, I've trained Border Patrol, uh, BORTAC guys, uh, border trackers uh, on, on basically the latest and greatest of cartel methodologies. Um, and you see in them there's a bunch of Latinos <laughs> in those groups, you know, and it's funny because they get labeled the most racist uh, organization, federal organization out there, and most of these guys are Latino, you know, like the first generation. Um, uh, so they get vilified too, but they're doing a job. Um, then you go on, they, then you go and to see some of these protest lines, and they're, you know, throwing rocks at customs and immigration. Uh. And sending supplies down and donations down to some of the some migrant uh, camps in Tijuana, for example, and those uh, donations are being sold in open air markets all over Tijuana to make money for people that don't even give that money back to the uh, to the uh, people that uh, the that that uh, that suffers for, and they use it to fund more people being brought up from South America to then be crossed by elite by. By drugs, uh, by people smugglers across the border. So these virtue signaling uh, people trying to, you know, you know, stick it to the man by sending donations out to that uh, migrant camp are actually funding people smuggling, and that is, you know, clear to anybody that cares to look at it. And you know, basically, I think the U.S. as a whole has a big conflict in the soul, uh, and Mexico as well. We need each other more
0: than we think. Yeah, I would totally agree, and I always stress nuance uh, on, on the podcast. And I don't really like to play the left-right game. Um, I kind of step outside it, and I think people need to live, um, visit both countries. And I remember my first job when I was 15. Legally, it's you're allowed to work. Uh, and I'm from Chicago. And so I got a job at a supermarket. Happy Foods doesn't exist anymore. But we had uh, mo- mostly my uh, migrants, Irish, um, Italian, Puerto Rican. But the biggest portion of the workforce were Mexicans. And I had a great time with them. Uh, hard workers, uh, probably some of them were not um, legal. I, I have no idea. Uh, but in any case, and it goes to it goes to what you're saying that in mexico there's a lot of people willing to work even if the wage is not that high and i, I just don't see that in in the us and um for, with the with the youth uh, and as you said i totally agree the us would collapse if 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 you know mexicans were, were pulled out um
1: yeah, don't get me don't get me wrong like when it comes to politics like people assume things about me sometimes they see what i talk about uh I want to smoke a joint at my gay best friend's wedding and have a gun on me and just be left alone. You know, those, those are my politics, you know, I think most I think most Mexicans would kind of agree on some of these politics. As long as it doesn't concern me, it's fine, you know, um, but uh, but there's a militancy out there They're trying to make it about us versus them, which is pretty interesting to kind of see. I mean, I am a, a permanent resident of the United States, you know, I'm not a citizen yet. I'm working towards that. Can't vote, can pay taxes though, and that's pretty painful. But uh, um, I, I, I could see some of the elements, and just everybody wants to have a side. You know, um, Mexico doesn't get a lot of things right, but at least we've had several political parties in power over the past uh, past few decades. You know, there has been a change of power, at least that, in that way. You know, um, we have a federal voting card and nobody thinks it's racist you know <laughs> across the board uh but uh it's interesting to see that identity uh politic thing in in the United States and how it's how it's almost like a blanket that people cover themselves in you know
0: and, and speaking of uh identity this leads me to my next question and I i you know over the last two years because of what's going on with with the pandemic I've been getting emails Ah, uh, calls from people from all parts of the world looking to flee to to Mexico. I've met some of the listeners who even came down and you know have purchased property here in in Mexico and in different parts of Mexico. And so you know I'm an and and I've thought about this all my life. Uh, someone kind of like yourself as as a nomad. I've lived in half a dozen countries and I've moved around the U.S. and back and forth to Croatia and everywhere else. And you know I'm an American who left for. Mexico, many Mexicans, such as yourself, leave for America. Many Mexicans prefer prefer staying in Mexico, uh, and you know sometimes I even think about going back to the u s and I think you left Mexico for the u s and it seems people from all walks find happiness in both worlds. you know it's a very personal life uh, decision in some ways, there's a higher quality of life in Mexico where things are kind of like slowed down, and in the u s of course, there are better wages and a very comfortable material lifestyle. What are your just kind of general thoughts on expatriation and you know, would you ever come back to to live in mexico for example
1: yeah i mean I, I think most immigrants that have had to leave mexico for you know I had to leave Mexico because it was unsustainable for me uh, as far as the job I did and then having to leave that job without any any sort of protection and, and uh, any sort of backup you know so I had to leave uh I do long for a life where I can live down there you know? Um, And I think most immigrants do, right? I mean, most of the ones that I've talked to are wanting to make their money, get old, build a house back where they were born and just move back down, you know? That's a beautiful dream to have. Um, But then you see this new phenomenon of cross-migration, you know, Americans being economic refugees of the United States and moving to places like Tolun or Tijuana as a Perfect example of this. Um, I, you know, there's a positive side to it, of course. You know, living in living in uh, in in Tolun or, you know, living in Tijuana might be uh, in a lot of in in some ways the quality of living is going to be very different depending on how much you earn. Um, you know, San Diego too is a nickname that they're calling Tijuana now. You know, marijuana trafficking is happening from San Diego into Mexico mostly. Think about that, you know, the phenomenon of that. Um, One thing that they're that one negative aspect of that is that they're bringing their drug habits with them, Americans, and you're noticing an explosion of violence in some of the places where Americans have now set up communities um, who are now basically creating drug markets that are viable to fight for locally. That's why you're seeing these up these new surges of violence in places where there's uh, expat communities kind of being built up. Um, you know, again, I think we're gonna come to a point where that border is not gonna matter anymore for a lot of us. We're already linked up in different ways by marriage, blood. You know, there's a recent, uh, you know, idol Mexico commercial that they made where they were uh, they're gonna give discounts to Americans who had a, a percent, depending on how much percentage of Mexican blood you have. They would give you a discount. So they, of course, they went to Texas with a, where where and interviewed a bunch of people that were really not pro Mexico, and they found out they had a lot of Mexican DNA, you know, <laughs> and they gave them big discounts on, on flights to Mexico. That was pretty funny to see. Um, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting question, you know. Uh, I've seen I've seen both the the uh, Mex the Mexican the mexicification of parts of the United States with communities moving up there and setting up churches. You know, I, I was recently in a to us. I recently went to Arizona. I was invited to a, a Santa Muerte festival in Arizona. Now, people don't know what Santa Muerte is, or if they only know. Santa Muerte from what they see on TikTok or Instagram um, or what they saw on a stupid American movie that vilified or just destroyed uh, the imagery and the iconography of that faith. Um, It would seem like a scary thing, Uh, but to anybody that actually grew up with that faith in their life, they'll see it's a festival. It's a veneration of a duality goddess. It's a veneration of flowers and death. Uh, I've seen festivals like that with music and food that I've only seen in places like Mexico City or Tijuana. Um, Now they're in Arizona. And it's a familiar thing to people there now. So you're seeing it on both sides of the border, basically, in a way, I think we're bleeding into each other. Both countries are and have been for years uh, through immigration, illegal and legal. Through expat, through immigration, and when I say illegal and illegal, illegal and illegal, I mean on both sides. Americans have illegally migrated to 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 Mexico. You know, they don't do things as they should do them. You know, they don't pay certain things, they don't come up with certain permits and things that they have to. They they set up irregular commerce in Mexico. That's something that not a lot of people talk about, but it's true. You know, a lot of people want to talk about illegal immigration and they immediately think about you know Mexicans, but. United States uh, and Americans do it that. Do that in Mexico too. Um, I think. I, I, again, I think it. I think it's going to be. There has to be a change at a at a social level, uh, community level, and we have to figure out and come up to come to terms with the fact that, you know, both our countries depend on each other in a big way, and we're going to need each other for the coming, you know, global shift that is apparently happening as far as power structures going
0: on. Yeah. yeah. And you want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Just the comment as well, the Mexican, it's funny how the tables have turned and the Mexican government is, is now cracking down on uh, illegal uh, foreigners. <laughs> um, and to, I saw on your Patreon, so people can check out your Patreon as well to get a lot of exclusive stuff there. Uh, people know that my Patreon was terminated a year ago uh, after an article was published by the Associated Press, co-written uh, by Atlantic Council, NATO's think tank. So I'm in the crosshairs uh, <laughs> of some people, but Ukraine, you know, what are your thoughts on what's going on with Ukraine and this, this, I tell people that what we're living through only happens once a century or every few centuries, this uh, shifting of the world order. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Ukraine? Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, it's clear to, it's clear to, I mean, if you care to look at it as a conflict, again, I am not, uh, I'm not a scholar. I'm a, I was an agent of the government in Mexico and I did a lot of things and I learned a lot of things and I had exposure to some amazing teachers and all of them were war fighters and people that had experience. And, 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 I, and, I, and I got to see conflict very closely. Um, I, see a, I see a president in the Ukraine who is a puppet president. That's what I see. Uh, I see a president who was a former actor and who is still acting, you know. I see a lot of propaganda coming out of the uh, out of their uh, out of the presidency. I see a lot of videos that were are completely debunked later on. Um I see uh factions within their military who are open Nazis, you know. <laughs> um were open Nazi uh uh sympathizers uh fighting against the Russian invasion. Um I see the local populace being basically kept there hostage. You know, there's, a, there's there's a lot of things that I see. Now, don't get me wrong, I posted I posted up a lot of videos myself on my social media about some of the Ukrainian forces fighting back. But people misunderstand mis, uh, that the fact that I'm posting those means that I support the president of Ukraine or the or the politics behind it. I'm I'm uh I'm venerating the aspect of locals. Taking up arms against an invader, I think uh, most Mexicans could appreciate that a lot. You know, um, I'm taking up, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm paying homage to women filling uh, uh, wine bottles with, uh, with, uh, with styrofoam and, and gasoline. You know, uh, people coming up with catapults to throw Molotov cocktails at tanks. Um, that's what I'm. Kind of like paying homage when I post some of these things, because I think, uh, you know, uh, there was a there was a metal band when I was growing up called Rage Against the Machine, and one of the guitar players had had a "Arm the Homeless" on his guitar written, and that stuck with me my whole life. Um, you know, I believe that the ability to be to have the means to defend yourself and your family should be an internationally protected human right. And if those means are an AK-47 or an grenade launcher, I think, you know, so be it. As long as it's regulated and as long as you train with it, I think it should be something allowed. Uh, it's fascinating to me that Americans that are openly saying disarm, don't buy guns, make them illegal, are now saying let's ship guns out to these people so they can defend themselves from an invading force. Um, I see Russia as a, uh, as a, I think, I don't know, I'm I, I, you might know more about this, but I think they're, you know the, the the GDP is probably really close to that of Mexico. You know it's not. You know Russia isn't isn't what a lot of people think it is. It's not. It's, it is a super. It is a military power, uh, but you can see a lot of their supplies and the tanks and the artillery they're using is mostly stuff from the '60s. Um, there's out-of-date MREs being utilized by some of these forces. There are people going into into some of these conflict zones that are basically being drafted or pushed into this conflict. They don't want to be there. And they're giving up and abandoning military equipment left and right. Um, I think what you're seeing with Russia is that they are surrounding any city that they see is uh, is, is holding out or resisting. And they're just going to be wait. You know, they're encircling some of these places. They want to capture the Ukraine complete that's why they didn't you know they're not that's why you still have internet access there that's why you still have uh, um that's why you still have uh r- r- roads in, in a lot of places I know some people have taken out some bridges uh but Russia's plan is to capture the country cut off the head of it put their own head there and leave that country with a military now under leadership of that uh of their of of their choosing, of their leadership of their choosing, um, that's why you don't see a lot of you know I, I, that's, I, I, at least that's what I'm seeing myself. Um, I think they're I think they want to capture the military as well. The Russians do. I mean, um, it is it is it, it is an interesting conflict. And right now, I'm paying close attention to a lot of these foreign fighters going in there uh, from the west and some of their experiences and. I, I know five of them that went there, one contact with, and some of the stories that they've been sharing with me about what they're seeing, is, it's pretty insane, you know. Um, uh, the complete lack of organization on the Ukrainian side, um, uh, how some of them were, are being mistreated because of the color of their skin by some of these Ukrainian forces, who, they, who they're there to fight with, you know, stuff like that. Which i i mean i think history will will tell us some of these stories later on uh but that conflict is 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 a pretty interesting one and yes and my heart goes out to the people that are stuck in the middle of it. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah a lot's going on um i guess one of my last then questions would be uh, and, it, and it applies to anyone anywhere whether you are in ukraine the us or, or here in mexico as i said before a lot of craziness is happening globally. Things are breaking down. Uh, a new world order is upon us. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but there are you know, just some tips, general themes for, for you on, on what people should be thinking about in order to protect themselves uh, and their families. You know, There are people looking to move away from urban areas to rural areas. Uh, if you have to live in the city, I'm sure that within the metropolitan area, there are safer and smarter places to reside. Uh, and for example, you, you do a course on urban uh, movement which I think is ap- applicable to all people and so what would just be you know a few smart things you, you'd advise people to do to in general to stay out of harm's way?
1: Oh God I mean if you don't know about electricity or how to electrify a house or how to fix electricity or plumbing, start now. If you don't know how to be a mechanic or how to do mechanic, uh, how to fix uh, how to fix an uh, oil uh, change an oil filter on your car. We live in a day and age where you can learn through YouTube to basically become self-sufficient and just the basics. What you're seeing in the Ukraine is a warning for the world as far as what we need to know before something like that happens. You're starting to see it now. uh, Supply chain broken down, you know, manual labor and specialized labor being hard to find. Um, You know, people are going back to basics and you know, this is, this is Ukraine some of these people are still in contact with some of their agrarian backgrounds you know uh, but not other parts of the world we're completely detached from that um, I think and I think one big thing I will tell people is to get back the basics not just for them but for their kids you know um, good times produce weak men you know weak men produce hard times hard times produce strong men I think we're in one of those shifts right now and we need to start producing stronger, uh children for what's coming uh you know seeing some of the conflict in the ukraine a lot of commenters were like hey ed all of these people look like they took your urban movement class you know <laughs> i said well all of this stuff that i show comes from a place where there's an active war that nobody acknowledges which is mexico those are the lessons that i got from this conflict and if you're seeing them applied by somewhere out there like the like in the ukraine it's because you know they're getting back to basics. Mexico, that's what that's what Mexico does. Basics. So again, uh, uh, you know, in, in invest in invest in equipment for your house that can make you self-sufficient. Um, invest in training. Uh, not being allowed to, not being able to, are two completely different things. Uh, I'll leave it at that as far as weaponry. Uh, the responsibility to defend yourself and that and your family will fall to you when everything else falls away and a lot of parts of Mexico that's already happened. That's why you have these, uh, you know, the, the defense forces that showed up and all that's sort of, also that's why you have these communities that are on themselves, you know. Um, there's nothing wrong or, or, or evil about a gun, it's who's behind it. And as long as you can figure out a way to kind of in, infuse that into your lifestyle, be it through hunting illegally uh, you know a hunting rifle can be utilized for something for a lot of other things you know if in the right hands um so again i think it's about taking responsibility for your own safety and that of your family taking responsibility for their for their upkeep of your home of your car of your food sources and to figure some of that out for yourself and also finally community we need to get back to community Uh, We've been fucking separated for a long time now with our cell phones, Facebook, and all these other things kind of distracting us from that. Um, If one thing I I, uh, really advise people to is to find the others, as uh, Timothy Leary used to say, uh, find people on the same path as you are as far as preparation and figuring some of these things out and there's strength in numbers. Uh, What you're seeing in the Ukraine is our groups of people that have found that out after the fact. Probably a good idea to find
0: that out now. Yeah, all great advice and things that I myself have begun working towards uh, as well. Where would be the best place for people to follow your work? And and I know you're on Patreon. You've got in-person courses. You've got online Zoom uh, webinars as well. Uh, What are some things people can look for and where to go to find you?
1: Uh, The the best place to find me is www.eddsmanifesto.com dot com altogether edsmanifesto.com i am shadow banned on instagram Um shadow banned uh i think on facebook as well and my patreon is uh you know i'm gonna try and keep it you know (laughs) but uh some of the stuff that i show and expose is scary to a lot of people that don't know the necessity behind it um I have a telegram group as well, Ed's Manifesto's, uh, Ed's Manifesto, The Green Room, uh, which is where I post a lot of the stuff that I can't post anywhere, anywhere else. And if people want to follow the news from Mexico, uh, we have a sister uh, page on Instagram called Demoler underscore. Demoler underscore. Um, again, they're shadow banned too, uh, but it's a, it's a pretty beautiful, interesting news source coming out of Mexico in English for people that want to follow it.
0: Yeah. All right. I will include all of the links in in the description. So wherever people are watching or listening, you can find those links. I've subscribed uh, to your newsletter to stay uh, up to date Um, because I don't use social media much like Instagram or Facebook. I was bummed that I actually I missed being informed about your Uh, in-person class that you gave here in mexico where i am um, late last year at a a krav maga institute that i briefly attended many years ago so um, maybe i'll catch you next time when you pass through Uh, stay frosty senor calderon and thank you for being on geopolitics and empire thank you for the invitation